0: The Brewers Association and Craft Beer Radio present Savor 2015, an American craft beer and food experience from Washington, D.C. This salon was from Saturday, June 6th. Little Breweries with Big Flavors Presented by Four Hands Brewing Company, Fate Brewing Company, Bob Craft Beer, and Right Proper Brewing Company.
1: Hi everybody, y'all having fun tonight here at SAVOR? Craft beer and food experience, all right, all right. I'm uh, Paul Gatz, I'm director of the Brewers Association. The Brewers Association is the organization that puts on SAVOR and we're happy to come here to D.C. for our eighth time, Well, eighth time we've done Saver. Seven of them have been here in D.C. So it's uh, always great to be back and love this facility, just love this museum. All right, the uh, Brewers Association is the not-for-profit trade association for for America's small and independent craft brewers. And, uh, you know, this event is aimed at trying to do something a little different with craft beer, not your normal beer festival type event, but to really elevate what beer can be and really make that culinary connection between beer and food. Um, So uh, we've got a real special treat here tonight, Uh, little uh, Little Breweries, Big Flavors. Uh, we've got four great speakers here, and uh, the way we like to do this is we're trying to have a good time. We're trying to have fun. If you have questions, just raise your hand. I'll pass you a microphone, and uh, it always seems better up here if it's more interactive. So feel free to, you know, just um, butt in, you know. That's what, that's what we're here for. Um, so uh, um, these salons are being sponsored by Spiegelau and uh, there's a few glasses uh, out on the tables that uh, feel free to take those home at the end because this is the last salon. They don't need them for any others. So uh, let's get those home. These uh, sessions are also recorded by uh, uh, Greg and Jeff at uh, Craftbureauradio.com. And, uh, they, uh, and they're in the room, there they are. Wait, if you're recording these, what are you doing sitting here? Aren't you like supposed to be by some equipment? robots. Robots, all right. Yep. And uh, you'll be able to hear these sessions afterwards uh, on craftbeer.com, so feel free to listen in. For this salon here, uh, we're going to start with uh, Giotto Troia from Mob Craft Beer. Then we're going to move on to uh, Kevin Lemp from Four Hands Brewing, Mike Lewinsky from Fate Brewing, and our events committee that are the ones who bring Savor and the Great American Beer Festival and the World Beer Cup to everybody. So... Um, Mike's uh, got a special place in the heart, and also I love his pub in Boulder. He's one of my local pubs. So, And uh, then we'll uh, uh, finish up with uh, local brewer, uh, Nathan uh, Zender from Right Proper, uh, which if you haven't been up there, it's, uh, what's that, the green line that goes up there? Yeah, great place. Uh. All right, awesome uh, growler filler, great growler station there. Uh, purge, the, uh, purge your bottle, your growlers with CO2 and fill them, and it's like a fun piece of equipment that belongs in the Smithsonian, but it's uh, very nice, very cool. All right, with that, uh, let me go ahead and uh, turn it over to Giotto, and let's get going. And thanks again for coming.
2: All right, so it looks like they're pouring it right now. It's called Hop Goes the Grapefruit. Um, it is sort of like a dry-hopped German-style goza with grapefruit juice and sea salt. And we tried to model it a little bit after the Leipzig region of Germany. They, they traditionally um, did the Leipzig goza. And it's, it, it's a region of Germany that has very salty water tables. Um, and so we we actually added sea salt to it to replicate that because obviously being being in Madison, Wisconsin, we don't have um, poor quality water tables. They, they they don't have salt in them. Um, so we had to add that into it. Um, also, in order to get sort of that tartness normally familiar or normally assimilated with uh, a goza, we added grapefruit juice and zest to it. Um, and then we dry hopped it with a combination of Centennial. Uh, Cascade and Srirachi Ace hops, um, so it has about a, 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 a an IBU level of about 32. So it's not going to knock your face off. It's not an IPA goes. It's it's literally just a dry hopped goza. Um, so enjoy it. Um, it's very sessionable. It's you know we, we just started canning this year, uh, this summer into 16 ounce pints. So it's uh, it's it's something that you can you know drink on the porch, lawn mowing beer, what yard beer, whatever you want to call it. Um, and, you know, we're, we're pretty proud of it. it this is sort of, sort of a beer that epitomizes what it is for our business model. And if you're not familiar with Mobcraft... Um, yeah, just a second. Uh, this is a refill. Sorry. Um, sorry. <laughs> So uh, if you're not familiar with Mobcraft, we are uh, the world's first and currently only crowdsourced brewery. So every month we do a brand new beer based off of people like you guys submitting beer ideas to us through our online submission process. And you can just go to our website and just find the link that says submit beer uh, idea. And it can be as complicated as, you know, you're a home brewer and you have this whole recipe bill set up um, and you you can send us that entire recipe bill. Your name is on it, everything on it. Um, otherwise, if you're just a, a, an avid beer fan and you've always wanted to try something but you've never been able to get your hands on it, you can send us a beer idea. So if you've always wanted to have something like a, you know, off-the-wall idea, like an avocado pear porter, you know, which, you know, exactly, right? It, it sounds like it might be all right, a guacamole fruit beer. Anyways... Um, Andrew, our our beer our brewmaster out here in the corner there, and cheers to him. Um, he is a very he's got a microbiology degree from Madison. He's he knows yeast science a lot of a lot of uh, sciencey things that I have no idea how to even you know articulate, but he he's very talented in in cooking as well, and he looks at recipe formulation like cooking, um, which is super important in that. You know, if you want to add salt to something, yeah, you can add it during, the, during the, uh, the mixing process before you bake it or cook it, but you're not going to get a salty tinge to it. Um, it's just going to sort of mix into everything and you're not going to notice it very much. So if you really want to notice the essence of a fruit or the essence of a spice, you add it at the end um, in order to really get what it is supposed to be about. Um, so we add a lot of our adjuncts for a lot of our beers in post-secondary fermentation a, a couple days right before bottling or packaging. Um, and, you know, it, it, it doesn't have the longest shelf life on it um, in terms of getting that taste off of it, but a lot of our beers go fast enough anyways that we're not seeing it sitting on shelves for a very long period of time because we do have, like I said, that, that monthly vote that you won't see this beer ever again, chances are. So a lot of people grab it when it's available. Um, so again, it's a really fun model that you know, really brings the community into, um, into professional brewing. Um, we bring in people from 42 states and D.C. into our brewing process, and you, know, you, can, you can submit and vote on an IDEA in any of those 42 states and D.C. Um, if your beer wins... Uh, we will actually throw your name on the label. We'll give you all the props in the world. We'll invite you out and fly you out to our, our brew house in Madison, Wisconsin. Um, and we'll let you brew the batch with us or do the packaging with us or whatever date is available for you to do it. Um, and it, it's, it's something that we always dreamed of as home brewers is bringing the community into the brewing process. So um, you know, I, I hope you guys enjoy it. I hope you have a chance to check out our, our booth at, at booth 15. And uh, get involved in the process. It's just mobcraftbeer.com, and yeah, vote will ship it out to you on a monthly basis. Four packs of 22 ounce bombers, so cheers.
1: So, uh, this model of uh, the uh, vote and everything, how does that work for you with government approvals for like label approval? And, you know, I'm sure though some of the votes are relying on some pretty interesting ingredients and figuring out how to source those ingredients and then maybe you have to get formula approval from mm-hmm. the government. How far in advance of the actual beer release do you do the, do the vote generally? Yeah,
2: so like, like Paul alluded to, there's some ingredients that aren't automatically accepted by the TTB, which is the, pretty much the overarching uh, gr- governmental group that, that says, yeah, you can use this in a beer recipe or you can, u- you can have this on the label. So that avocado beer I was talking about, avocado is not one of those accepted ingredients that you know any, any beer recipe can be just automatically sent through. So that's something that you need to um, get approved by the TTB, and that takes several weeks. Um, but we're, it, we're at the stage right now where we have a very, I guess, complicated way, complicated on our end, very simple on your end, but uh, it's complicated on our end in that you submit a beer idea to us, if it's a very complicated one, or it's a very unique ingredients that that aren't um, on that list of automatically okay ingredients. Um, we send them in, and we don't actually put that beer or that recipe on the website then, available for a vote, until it has been accepted. So... Um, yeah, we, we, we try to push it out as, as soon as possible, but it's not always a, on a monthly basis in terms of, you know, you submit us a recipe and then the next month it's up for a vote. Um, it's not necessarily that quick. Um, it can be, but it's not necessarily that quick. Um, as for label approval, we, we, because we do a new beer every month, obviously we need a new label every month, um, and we do ship outside the state of Wisconsin, so um, we need it federally approved by the TTB again. If you don't ship outside the state of Wisconsin or outside of your home state, I believe it's nationwide. You know, if you live in in Illinois or, or California and you don't ship outside the state, you don't need to get federal approval. But um, we have to get all of our all of our crowdsource beers federally approved because we can ship to your doorstep in 42 states. Um, so we've we've learned to work with that on a very lean level where. Pretty much just-in-time delivery of the labels, um, and we work with uh, other breweries in the state of Wisconsin to um, sort of do these bulk buys because we do a very limited run of labels, which get to be pretty expensive per label if you actually do the math. So if you can work with other breweries to order a bulk shipment of labels from the same company, they they do digital printing. They don't need to do um, they don't need to do um, I don't even know what they're called templates or whatever they are screens of it. Um, which cost extra money so we can you know do bulk runs of it and um, pretty much get it just in time for our business model nobody else really has our business model so they don't care when they get it (laughs) Um, But yeah it's we try to run as lean as possible sometimes we get the labels two days or the day of or or a day after the the beer is actually packaged so we might be labeling empty bottles we might be labeling full bottles but then the next day it goes out. Um, another way we try to be as lean as possible is that we, we actually pre-sell about 80% of our beer before it's even packaged. Um, and we do that because we do self-distribute. I'm doing all the sales, all the marketing, all the distribution, all the event management. But on the sales side of things, I call our retailers and I say, hey, we have this one coming up in a month and a half, would you like it? How many cases would you like? And by now we've put out 23 different beers in 25 months. And so they understand that we're putting out a very consistent product. Yeah, it's not the same beer every month, but they trust that what we do is going to be high quality, um, sought after, and move quickly off the shelf. So it's very easy to move 15 or 20 cases of beer um, very quickly. Um, and we usually push about 14 barrels of that beer in the first week of, of distribution.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Here we
3: go.
0: Yeah, well, first of all, I, I want to say I do love your distribution model. It reminds me a lot of uh, network television in a sense where there's channel, there's, like, there's, there's programs and they have certain ratings. If they hit the ratings threshold, they keep going. If not, we find, it, we find new pilots and we, and, we, and we see what's there, and I think that, that's a really cool idea. Uh, but the second question I had is that there was recently, I was it, a couple months ago? There was an article from the Thrillist. It was just one of those uh, web rags uh, that, that uh, made a comment about Goza. You know, craft beer is dead, and Goza is what killed it. I read that and article. Of course, yeah. there was uh, you know a lot of consternation about oh you know of course of course that's silly. But how do you react to something like that when you see something like that? And You're like you know come on, Goza is a great beer. Why would you say something like that? What's your reaction?
2: At first, um, and excuse the language, I said bullshit. <laughs> Um, it, it comes down to the fact that, yeah, it was sort of a hidden style. It didn't really translate into the American beer, beer culture right off the bat. Um, and so the fact that now people are getting used to it and liking it and finding it again, you know, searching for it, because not everybody makes a Goza, you know, it, it's hard to find. But the fact that people are finding it now, they're basically saying that the American light lager, in my opinion, that, this is what they're saying, is that the American light lager is being overrun by these new styles of beers, whether it's Sours or Gozes or IPAs or extremist beers a little bit. You know, beers that are on the left or the right of somebody's palate, you know. Um, they're not necessarily the easiest drinking mellow beers. Um, and so that's sort of how I see it. It's, it it's, again, Thrillist is just something for getting clicks. You know, and don't get me wrong. I mean, they've they've written a couple of articles about us, so thanks for the clicks, Thrillist. But um, it's it's not it's it's not it's it's an opinion that they're just throwing out there to get a reaction. Um, In my opinion, I think Goza is one of the best up and coming styles in the U.S. And I'm kind of disappointed in that a lot of breweries try to approach it in more of a sour essence, as opposed to the traditional style of sort of just being a salty, slightly tart beer. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's nice to see different breweries' interpretations of what it is, because it is a new style in, in America. Um, it got lost for a long period of time, and now it's, now it's back, so I'm glad for that.
3: Yeah, my question is much easier. It's just uh, I'm wondering what eight states you don't deliver to, and I'm hoping that I'm not on that list.
2: <laughs> well, what state do you live in? Virginia. We can ship to Virginia. Woo! Um, yeah, there's, there's, there's eight states that we can't deliver to. Obviously, we can do 42 plus D.C. Um, I think Maine is one of them, um, Mississippi, maybe either Kansas or Missouri. What was that? No, we can ship to Pennsylvania, too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, and actually we just got the ability to ship to Massachusetts three or four weeks ago. So, um, it, it, You know, liquor laws are constantly changing, obviously. You pass one bill and they hide something in it that says, oh, this can no longer happen or, you know, this is now available too. So you don't necessarily hear about it until UPS says, oh, yeah, you can now do this. So. Um, and, the, you know, I don't want to get it confused. We don't ship beer directly to your doorstep from our brewery. We have a self-distribution permit from the state of Wisconsin to Illinois. And Illinois liquor stores have the ability to do, or the ability to get a license that says they can do a beer of the month club. So we sort of piggyback on that and we can, um, we can ship through their license directly to the states that they can ship to. So um, whoever they can ship to, we can ship to. And I also want to clarify too, we, our business model, as lean as it is, we sort of based it off of Um, a t-shirt company online that we heard about um, called Threadless T-Shirts. And what they do is they basically do a... They they sell a design until they get enough pre-orders to justify the cost of making it. And once they justify the cost of making it, they print it and ship it out. And they never have an inventory. They could literally run this business out of a closet. Um, So we wanted to try to do that. And that's why we try to pre-sell about 80% of the beer prior to even packaging it. So it's a really cool way to sort of bring a new business model into an old industry um, and really sort of try to, uh, try to take the industry to the next step and bring it into the electronic age, email marketing, social media, and that's really what we're all about. We try to, we try to bring people um, from what they're already doing, which is online, surfing the web, doing things online, shopping online. And bringing that into the beer industry. We don't want to make you have to go to the liquor store to get us. We want to be able to ship it to your doorstep. So um, that's really what we're about.
1: All right. Next up, we have uh, Kevin Lemp from uh, Four Hands Brewing in St. Louis, Missouri.
4: How's everybody doing? So tonight, we're tasting Passion Fruit Prussia. Um, It is a 3.5% Berliner Weiss uh, with Passion Fruit added. So this beer for us has kind of evolved over the last three and a half years. That's as old as the brewery is. Uh, we're young enough that we still include the half year. Um, so originally, we kettle soured this beer. Um, we have a 15-year-old brew house. Um, and when we first started, we were doing about one turn a day. So on a Friday, we could do that kettle sour, come back on Saturday or Sunday, boil it, pump it into the fermenter. Now we're doing four turns a day. Uh, so we can't really afford that lapse. Um, so over the last year we've really been experimenting um, with a couple different methods and the one that we're doing right now we feel we really have uh, a lot of control with, uh, with the process. So we bring in wort, take that wort, transfer it to a fermenter. In that fermenter we pitch lactobacillus which we prop up in the brewery, um, let the wort Uh, The lactobacillus kind of eat on the sugars in the wort until we achieve the pH that we're looking for. At that point, we'll transfer it back to the kettle, boil, CIP the tank, pitch yeast, bring that back into the tank, let it ferment out, and then at that point, we'll add the passion fruit kick back into fermentation for a little bit until the finishing gravity. Um, It's nice, it's controlled. We've got more time in tank, less time Uh, in the actual brewery. Um, 3.5%, super light, very sessionable. Uh, It's a summer seasonal for us that we're really excited to put in a can uh, this summer. So it took us a while to really kind of try and figure out the very best way for us to do it. We love this style. We definitely wanted to be able to offer it. Again, we just couldn't tie up the brew house for that long. Um, A little history about the brewery. So my last name is Lemp. If you're familiar with brewing history at all, especially in St. Louis, Um, the Lent Brewing Company was the largest brewery in the nation. Uh, Prior to Prohibition, Lent Brewing Company was larger than Anheuser-Busch. And it's really quite interesting when you're in St. Louis. You have Anheuser-Busch here, you have Highway 55 here, and you have the old Lent Brewing Company right here. A mile down the road, you have the old Falstaff Brewery. Um, So really, within like a three-mile radius, three very big breweries, Uh, We're happening. Um, So our family is not related to the old Lemp Dynasty, so that's where the Four Hands comes into play. Uh, So the Four Hands represents myself, my wife Megan, our eight-year-old son, Rowan, and our five-year-old, Fisher. Um, So it's our version of a family named Brewing Company. So we always hear, that's a really small horse, or uh, you're a dummy because that's eight hands. And then we say, no, one in, go team. So, um, yeah, St. Louis, Missouri, we're four blocks south of Bush Stadium, 15 barrel brew house. Um, so, this year we'll do probably about 13,000 barrels, is looking like our straight line. We've got a cold liquor tank and three more 60 barrel fermenters landing next week. That'll max out our space to about 22,000 barrels of beer. Last year for us was kind of the, um, our expansion phase. This year, we're spending all our money on quality, and not that we didn't spend money on quality before. We've always sent everything that we're doing to a lab, Um, but before we would have to send it out to a lab. Uh, This year, we have our own lab. We have somebody working in the lab. Uh, We bought a DO meter, which for us has just made the biggest impact to the quality of what we're doing right now. And we've run three beers through our new centrifuge, which is like, Makes our brewers very happy, uh, so no more filtering for us we 're just running through the centrifuge. We really love hops, um, and it really broke our heart every time we had to use the filter uh, to package our beer so that 's all gone um, so we 're excited about this evolution of the brewery uh,
5: so you've you 've got a fermenter that you that you uh, ferment the Berliner Weiss in here. Yep. Is yeah is that like the fermenter that just sits in the corner for this process, or does CIP make you feel comfortable in putting something else in there? I mean, do you have like the, the buggy lines that you use to pump it over and back? I mean,
4: yeah, so we I mean have, how, do you, how do you isolate? So all sour parts from gaskets to hoses to tri-clamps to everything. Uh, this is the one single 15-barrel tank that we use to do this method in. Um, again, we do a, a, an aggressive CIP after that. Um, and then we'll put, if we're not going to put another sour beer into that tank, uh, we'll put a draft-only beer into that tank. We'll get sample results from that draft-only beer, um, and then we'll know if we're 100% clean. And our guys, I give so much credit to our brewery team, uh, just the dedication uh, with the cleanliness. It's amazing for you know, a three-and-a-half-year-old brewery, every result that we get, we've, never, we've had one batch that we had to dump. Um, and that was actually due to kind of a tri our, um One of the nozzles was left a little bit open, so we had some air getting in. It just wasn't super tight, but that's why we feel it's so expensive to spend the extra money to send everything to the lab every year. Yeah. Their big thing is the grain sacks. That's, like, that's the best. Yeah. Yep. They like jumping on those.
5: So if I understand right, you do four kettle sours a day, but you pump them off to an additional tank. What's the rest time on, on those sours? It seems like you're not doing
4: six hours divided no, by four. No. So, so we'll do one, time. one push. So right now we're doing 15-barrel batches of the sour beer. So just one run through the, t- uh, through the brew house to get to the tank. Um, we are trying to figure out a way that we can, we can blend. Um, and we're also trying to get the beer a little bit more tart than it is today. In this last run, we're using a new lacto strain. Um, I've been away for the last week, but the guys told me that we accomplished the goal. Um, but so right now, it's just one run through the brew house. We let it sit on the lactobacillus in the fermenter for it's about three days. Um, the pH that we're looking for is like you know three one to three three to three four. Um, and once we hit that gravity, then we'll send it back in. whole process takes about three three weeks, three and a half weeks.
0: So you had mentioned that you uh, just switched a, to a new lactobacillus strain. I was going to ask you, um, do you guys have a house strain or do you guys, what sort of lacto, and is it only lacto or is it also PDO, and what kind of bugs do you guys use for the souring process?
4: So. For this process, it's just lacto. Um, it's just lactobacillus. So last year, we made a big investment. We really like sour beers. We really like barrel-aged brett lacto-pedio beers. Uh, we also like our IPAs to taste really clean. Um, so we made the capital investment to go upstairs, demo the second floor, put in a lift, um, temperature control our second floor. So all of our wine barrels are second-use bourbon barrels that sit upstairs that have lacto or brett, are completely isolated on our second floor. Uh, we also made the investment to buy a second bottling line. So we have a, a six head Maheen, 22 ounce, and that's for anything bourbon barrel age or our seasonals that don't warrant the 12 ounce can. And then for anything Brett Lactopedio, we have a 500 milliliter two head Maheen uh, that stays upstairs. Um, so then only beer with that runs through that line
1: all right thank you very much kevin thanks uh batting third number 17 mike Lewinsky from fate brewing company in boulder colorado
5: how are we doing my name is mike uh i am the owner founder of fate brewing company we opened in 2012 and we like to do things a little differently so um, one way we accomplished that was uh, we were kind of a startup brew pub model that put in multiple systems. So we have a three-barrel uh, nano tank or system, and we have a 10-barrel uh, brew system as well. So we do most of our core beer through our 10-barrel system. Um, we have fermentation vessels as big as 30. So we do pretty much our 30s are owned by our IPA and... Um, So we triple-batch into that stuff, and 20-barrel fermentation tanks, and uh, 10 as well. And we get to play a lot on our uh, smaller systems. So this is kind of a a, a collaboration that came out of uh, just trying to have some fun. Um, They're walking around with Apollo Psy, which is basically a hopped-up honey wheat. Um, It's it's about 6.5% alcohol. It's about 42 IBU. And uh, it's finished with Earl Grey tea. So I think as you take a, a sip, you'll get a lot of vanilla, a lot of bergamot from, uh, from the beer that you're, you're drinking. And um, we love how it finishes, and, and it's a beer we make on the regular. Um, this was a fun, fun project that our brewer did with uh, Kyle Hollingsworth from String Cheese Incident, who's a, a Boulder local as well and so um he loves to brew those of you who follow the industry he's been on magazines and brewed with several uh different breweries and and this is kind of our creation and and we make it over and over for um his brew fest that happens in colorado uh, which is a great event i know we're talking to east coast dc people this year his brew fest is at uh, red rocks which i think is kind of a nationally known venue but um we'll be doing this beer uh, just brewed. It actually, it's still in the tank at home, uh, at, at at his fest. And so, um, this is one that we wanted to show you. We uh, kind of brought some different stuff downstairs at table nine as well. But uh, this is just another example of of uh, I think what falls in line with the, uh, the small the small breweries, big flavors uh, theme of the salon. So. We do, last year we did 1,500 barrels, we just went through an expansion, so uh, we might actually increase by about 1,000 barrels this year, and uh, just starting to get out in, in distribution and some other things, so
1: that's who we are. Yeah, so that's, uh, that's great, and... Uh, one thing I know about your pub is that the food side is excellent as well. Who, who does the food side? Who does the beer side? You know, how's it all come together? Well, uh, we have a head chef. We have a head brewer. He's hiding in the corner
5: over here. And um, I always say to people that I was smart enough to um, know that I needed to hire a brewer uh, when I started this project. But my backbone is, is in restaurants, and so we really take... That's the ghost of PC2.
1: I think that's the uh, 914 out of National. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
5: So uh, we really take food seriously. And um, we do, in the brew pub, we do over 60% food. And so um, we're, that is odd. Woo! I think our lines are crossed somebody. Or I have fans that aren't in this room or something. (laughs) If anybody has questions about that, I can't answer them. Yeah. (laughs) So, um, yeah, we do a lot of food at our uh, brew pub in Boulder. Um, By far, our biggest component of the restaurant that we run. We're um, on a lot of restaurants' handles and just starting to get into distribution in, uh, in in all of Colorado another product we love especially in this time of year is our uh, watermelon Kolsch so um, a few people got exposure to that because uh, we, we poured that for the Congress on uh, Thursday so um, <laughs> we have a lot of fun with beer we love what we do
1: and uh, yeah cool um, anybody have any questions?
0: there's honey in this
5: beer right? Uh,
1: there is honey in this beer. Is For it a sure.
0: clover or an orange blossom or something different? Uh, I believe it's clover. Am I wrong? Okay. Right? Yeah, clover. Tastes somewhat similar. I wasn't sure. Oh, cool.
1: Okay. Where do you source your tea from? We uh, got our tea
5: from a local company called the Tea Spot. Um, we use three pounds of loose-leaf Earl Grey tea. Phenomenal tea company. Um, something that Boulder does really well, kind of in everything, is, is they really pay attention to ingredients. And you find that in coffee, you find that in tea, you find that in restaurants with their food, uh, and you really find that in beer. And um, this tea spot is owned by a woman in Boulder who actually started drinking tea to fight cancer. And so she's, she has a big give back for every pound purchased. And she just makes phenomenal teas, like really aromatic, full of flavor. And um, so we we pour that as our tea at the restaurant as well, and it was just natural to kind of use in this beer. Uh, uh, One fun part of this project that we did was we used our small system, uh, because we brewed it on a larger scale, because we knew we were bringing it to festivals, and uh, we actually didn't put it into the bottle until um, maybe the second or third run through. So we brewed it, and it was a really great summer style, and um, just different on the market, and then... Uh, for Kyle's second brew fest, we brewed it and we, we put a label on it. He had it at a local liquor store, and so we, we sold it through there. But one thing that we have fun with when we make this is we actually use our smaller system to brew the tea. So we'll use the, the kettle and use the loose-leaf tea and, and, uh, and boil that up until we get the proper extraction. and then uh, So we're actually using two systems at the same day to, to make this beer.
0: So when you say you use your small system to brew the tea, are you actually boiling it or like how do you, is that how you prepare the tea, and yeah, you yeah. boil the tea?
5: Absolutely. It, uh, we boil it and um, add the tea and wait for the proper extraction. And
1: good. Going from like the homebrew standpoint, we can pretty much
5: get as weird and flavorful yeah. on a homebrew standpoint. But as a small small brewery going big, how scalable,
1: scalable is a lot of that flavor
5: impact? You know, as you we've start used, to go big. We, we've made large batches of this, which is fun. But we really kind of uh, experimented on a, on on what would be more of a homebrew model of uh, you know taking our base beer and figuring out how much tea uh, would work in this beer, what type of tea. Uh, so it was a lot of fun. We used a ton of loose leaf varietals, sat down on a table, made a little tea lab in a way, extracted all uh, all sorts of tea, and then uh, blended them with our base beer to see what flavors married well. And, and honestly, um, Kyle, who was kind of our partner in this project, wasn't a neural gray drinker. And uh, you, you know, it's funny when you get into these things, you don't necessarily think that. Uh, some things that you would, would drink singularly you don't necessarily put together and then at the end of the experience it's, you're, you're kind of blown away by, by what you find. So um, the, the Earl Grey, in my opinion, in this beer complements kind of everything that's going on. It, it just adds this really nice finish and, and nice citrus that complements the hops. And, um, so it's been a, it's been a, a good, good beer for us.
6: So this question isn't necessarily related to tea, but um, I guess it can be related. Uh, tea can tend to have a lot of strong flavors. So I wanted to get—it's not necessarily for you, but for the panel—theories um, as it relates to using peppers and beers uh, from the homebrew scale. Um, you know, a lot of different peppers contribute different different flavors and different amounts of heat to to, to the beer. So um, you know, I have, my question mostly relates to Whether you should use peppers in the mash, should you use it in the bowl, should you use it in secondary, or or what?
5: You know, I think, I'll I'll let these guys chime in too, but um, something that we always try and and strive for is control when we use something that's not, uh, like an adjunct flavor in a beer. Um, Good example is we did a beer, uh, it was kind of an imperial red with cardamom, which is one of my favorite spices. Uh, styles, and anybody who's worked with cardamom, you know it's really strong, it's really potent, a little goes a long way, that type of thing, and so um, we really managed that control as best we could to to get the flavor that we wanted, and and chili's a lot uh, the same way. It's one of those where the oils are are really powerful. It it probably actually gets stronger after you pull chilies out, because those oils tend to meld with the flavors, and impact that beer even more. But that's something that we have done with, with a lot of um, kind of things that we play with is, is put them into controllable uh, measures. We did a saison for uh, a, a collaboration beer with the Denver Zoo, and we took four different spices, and we found out a ratio we wanted, and we basically dry-hopped them with the spices, but, um, you know, checked in kind of every hour until we figured out what... Uh, what flavor components were, were at the right level.
1: All right, thanks Mike. Next up we have the local boy, the local talent, Nathan Zinder from Right Proper Brewing Company.
7: Well, thanks for coming on everybody. Did anybody make it to Right Proper this, this weekend or this year, or last yes. year and a half right here, right on? Right on, love you, thank you. <laughs> yeah, so um, we uh, are, are a, a local uh, small brew pub um, that opened about a year and a half ago, just about a mile north here on uh, uh, 624 T Street Northwest, right next to the historic Howard Theater. Um, I'll start with a description of the beer that we're all being poured, and then I can talk a little bit about um, what we do in the history and why we do things, and um, feel free to jump in with any uh, interactive questions. Um, love to know what you all think of the beer and um, any other just how you feel about life in general. Um, so uh, the beer that, that we're uh, pouring today is um, it's, the base beer for it is uh, it's a triple, um, and it's called gnosis. Um, and uh, we took a, the treatment for this beer was we um, keep a uh, probably would be best we only jump in for a second to how we do things. That it ties into how we put this beer together. Then I'll go back to a bit more about ourselves. So we um, have a, a, a single brew house that supports two different brewing programs. And so we uh, have a Saccharomyces, or a clean beer program, and then we have a mixed fermentation program with a house, uh, a mixed uh, mixed culture um, with uh, Britannomyces and Lactobacillus and a few Saccharomyces strains. So this beer goes through that house mixed culture process and so we have um, this sort of a yeast magic culture that we keep going and we keep repitching it over generation and generation. We let it have a life of its own. We sort of set the stage for it and I'll let it express itself most fully and happily. Um, so this is a representation of a beer that's gone through that process. Um, so it's about a little over 9% alcohol. Um, um, and, and so we uh, fermented in stainless steel for about um, two, three weeks, is my memory. We did this beer a little while ago. And then we, um, we worked with some really wonderful partners on this beer, so my favorite, absolute, f- I'm, I love cider. I love artisan cider from all over the world. My very favorite um, artisan cider producer in, in the United States is only about a, an hour and a half drive from Washington, D.C. in Moncton, Maryland. It's called Millstone um, a Cidery. They started in like a, a beautiful old mill house from the 1800s that they sort of repaired over 10 years. And they make um, both ciders and meads um, from fruit that only grows within about um, uh, about an hour's drive, I believe, of, of where they live. And um, they do um, sizers and all kinds of wonderful things. And so they do um, so a peach sizer. Um, they work a lot with um, uh, skin contact fermentation. So they'll just get the uh, unwashed fruit from whoever the, the, the farmer is. And they'll use that yeast to then help aid in the fermentation. So it's a very natural, um, sort of holistic process that they're doing. And they just get this wonderful like house character that a lot of American cider does not aim for. And they really stand apart as, uh, I really compliment them on that every time I see them. Um, and so we were able to source some, um, they do uh, some meads, like I was saying, uh, as well. So they did some peach mead, and it was really beautiful. And we were able to source some of those barrels, so we got those, uh, those, those damp barrels from them. And so then we, uh, we fermented stainless steel this beer for a few weeks. Um, and um, w- because of the cultures that we're using, that fermentation can go on for months, even years, really, if the Britannomyces is, is really breaking down complex sugars. And so it continued fermenting in the barrel for about six months, is my memory. Um, and so this is this, um, uh, so we're hopefully getting some peach uh, some peach flavor um, that blends in with the, the lactobacillus and the Britannomyces um, from our house culture. Um, what are some flavor descriptors? Anybody start over here? What do you, what does it taste like to you? I'll skip him. How about you? No, no. What is it? <laughs> yeah. You, so you get some of that sort of cider, some, some acidity. Yeah. 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 So, so we, th- that's a good point. I'm going to, uh, let's talk about yeast for a second in that we sort of, I've been saying that we we're a brew pub we're a brew pub. That's a recognizable term. We're really a yeast cult. Um, so that's really our reason for existence. Um, so, so that's sort of uh, I've sort of been thrown out the term brew pub, so I've been using Yeast Cult, Thor. What do you think? Is that where you going with that? Yeah, right on. So, so Thor is the the co-founder um, of, um, and it was really his idea to open right proper. Um, uh, you know, going back about three and a half or four years ago. It's about two years in the planning. Um, similar, like kind of some fruit, some. Uh, yeast magic yeah right on right yeah and that, right 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 yeah yeah um and so yeah, so, so that's the beer I hope everybody really likes it um i'll step back and speak more broadly about who we are i'll take a question
0: you know you mentioned bread a lot and uh, you definitely taste the bread on here and, and i think it's fantastic mm-hmm. but uh it, it's interesting to me that i know that wineries really try to avoid bread as much as possible bread destroys wine uh, is it different for meaderies? Are they fine with bread? Are they, you know, they're, they're more compatible with bread?
7: Okay, one more time. What is it the kernel of the question?
0: Is, is it different with meaderies? Oh, okay, yeah, meaderies yeah. yeah, yeah. more interested in bread?
7: So, so we're talking about producers of mead. So yeah. there aren't that really many producers of mead in the United States, and most of them uh, go for a more sweet mead. So they're actually usually uh, killing, killing the yeast either with, uh, you know, some kind of sulfite, you know? Um, and so that's why I really respect people that are willing to... to um, we never kill yeast in our brewery or bacteria. We, never, uh, we don't own a filter. Hope to never own a filter. Um, we never. When we, we do all lactic acid beers, we never kill the lactic acid. We let it have a full life cycle. Um, and so I don't know off the top of my head of any other people that are doing mead in a similar kind of fashion to, the, to these guys. It could be. I don't know, like a whole lot of mead makers, you know, but I think that it could be yeah, there's a room for that, you know, because these guys do it well. I'm really happy with what they're doing, and I don't think there's a lot of people doing something similar. I'm sorry, I just in my head. Okay, um, so um, yeah, so then I'll, I'll sort of go back and say that, um, uh, um, so sort of our model is that um, uh, we uh, Use the sort of the brew house as a bit of a workshop. So I believe in the first year that we were open, we brewed maybe like 75 recipes or something like that, roughly. Sort of get sort of work sort of work things out in a sort of workshop fashion. Now we've settled into sort of I think we know what we do really well, and um, and and, um, we've used some of the success of our first year to now um, uh, have the confidence to open up a production brewery. Um, So any are there mostly locals here? Out-of-towners all over the place. Okay, yeah. Virginia. Um, I'm a Marylander, personally. I'm not going to hold it against you. Yeah, right on. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, right on. So so it's... So, right on, right on. Uh, yeah, so um, the, our second the production brewery that we're building will just be in the northeast quadrant of, of D.C. It isn't too far from... There's a red line stop in, in Brooklyn. And, and um, we'll, um, we'll use a, a pretty similar model. Um, and so we'll take maybe 20 or 25 of the recipes that we really have grown to love at the brew pub and move those over to a larger scale. So we'll go from a 5-barrel brew house to a 15-barrel brew house, um, and then um, uh, we'll, we'll keep both still open. We'll have a tasting room with the new one, but we'll continue to use the workshop um, uh, uh, a sort of approach at the brew pub and keep developing uh, processes and work with new raw materials, and then we'll um, you know, dial in 20 or 25 recipes and do them on a larger scale. Work with the distributor, um, and, and just try to uh, sort of get our beer out uh, amongst the sort of the, the all quadrants of Washington to D.C. So, please, uh, as you come back to D.C., please please look us up. You can have both experiences. Come to the Brew Pub. We have a, a wonderful cheese program there. Um, if cheese and beer is sort of the perfect, and, and yes, yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's um, it's 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 pretty simple food. We we go. It, it's sort of got a, a sort of a southern twang kind of you know you know um to it. It's uh, um ho- hopefully we like to think it's fairly priced. It was a very, It's a guiding principle that we had fairly priced beer. Um, uh, yeah. We it's, it's a nice crowd. So it was um, and, and this is a town that that the, some of the beer prices have really skyrocketed. It's not. You know, some beer bars you go into, it's a dollar an ounce for some some beers, and, and and so we try to price our beers um, usually between 4 and $6 for a full pour of beer, um, and we are a profitable business, and, and we're very happy that we've been able to sort of operate in that. Sort of, I'm a frugal person, and, and I'm budget-minded, and I always like to go to a place and think that you know that, that it was a fair exchange. That I, I go away feeling happy. That my money was well spent, and, and, and so a, a nice two-way street. Yes.
2: Yeah. So I was at the brew pub recently, back in April, and Thank I you. noticed at Awesome Beers, I noticed that you had a lot of session ales. And from what I understand, you guys specialize in that. So what was the Don't main driver? Huh? Don't box me in. Don't box me in.
7: Yeah no yeah so But what was yeah, the yeah, driver
2: behind behind you know making a lot of session ales?
7: Yeah yeah um it's I I find it sort of challenging, which is nice. It's nice to be challenged at your workplace every day, right? Makes you a better person, and so it's 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 a real challenge to take on uh, a lower gravity beer and have it be a full, uh, not hollow experience. Maybe a lot of beers that are on the lower end of, of the gravity scale might have a hollow middle. You know just they they lack. Uh, something to them, like they lack, like a real soul or a definable element about them, so I really like that. I really like the challenge of doing a two and a half or a three or three and a half percent beer that tastes really well developed and has layers of complexity. Um, we do do beers that are stronger than that, like I think some people are like, yeah, they, those are those guys that do those three percent beers. Yes, we do a lot of those three percent beers, but we also, this beer is 9.3, 9.4 percent. We have a beer on the floor that was in a sherry cast that's 10 percent alcohol, um, and, and so we definitely aren't, um, we're generalists. I'm not an expert on anything. I like to, uh, to you know, just take on, uh, take on a lot. But um, it was, a, I think, a personal challenge to try to try to brew um, sort of small beers, you know. This guy back, Nah, no, 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 no. How about this wonderful lady right here? Yeah. No, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: I think Nathan's being a little humble. Um, What we try to do at Right Proper is uh, we go for um, more of elegance and um, subtlety in our flavors. Uh, We really try to focus on balance um, rather than um, bigger, bolder, faster, stronger. Um, uh, We're not going to brew an imperial anything or something that is the hoppiest or the strongest or or anything like that. What Nathan's... His forte is is really, um, he approaches brewing the the same way a chef approaches cooking, where it's a balance of flavors and it's a balance of everything. And so um, I think it's really, uh, it's a testament to his skill as a brewer that he's able to make such a wide uh, variety of very um, low-alcohol, subtle beers, um, where in these beers it's very hard to mask flaws in the brewing process. Um, So um, if if you're brewing a very, very hoppy beer, um, it could possibly... um, those the hops or, or tremendous amount of alcohol could could mask um, other flaws in the brewing process and so it's it's really nice to have a brewer that's able to execute on a consistent basis really really elegant low alcohol beers that are um, uh, are absolutely clean through and through
7: and this may be your last beer of the night so feel free there's a little bit more there too, to make you send you home happy um so what it did- I see that's sort of interesting about everybody that's here is I feel like you guys are looking sort of outside of the industry to find inspiration um you know the tea in the beer um crowdsourcing for inspiration for beer where do you all look for inspiration where do you find inspiration for new beer yeah um well um it's if you look baby to the um to the our names it's a sort of sort of a maybe a dead giveaway sometimes, the references in the naming of the beer. When you name something, it's very important. You bring something into being. It's a very important act. And so, um, sometimes we're working very thematically. And sometimes, you know, um, uh, I've been caught in like a music loop for a long time. So it's uh, particular records that I'm obsessed with. And I need to work that out in some sort of way. And so it might be a movie. It might be a book. um, But sometimes it's just uh, yeah, so it can be any number of things, right? Just, just yeah, yeah, and even the smallest thing sometimes can turn into to something much more important. But a lot of music stuff recently. Yeah, yeah. So just, uh, well, We just brewed a beer called Sun Ash Rod. That's a triple reference to the band Sun uh, Sun Ra, the jazz musician, and Sun Ash Ra Temple, that's a psyche weird band. And so, then, you know, how do you do that? You know, you it, they're all elemental. They're all cosmic right so we had some a little bit of salt in there for elements and then we used some like galaxy hops cuz in nothing else they reference uh c- celestial things you know so just silly stuff like that really
6: <laughs> so you guys spoke earlier about um i guess kind of keeping it simple as yeah. far as the the food goes and obviously we're at Saber so Um, I've been to your brewery a couple times, and one of my favorite things to order when I'm there is your chicken livers. Yeah,
7: yeah. Um, Are we even doing those anymore? Are those on hiatus? Well, never mind. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry, man. Yeah, yeah. No, but we do it awesome. You ever had, like, the fried chicken sandwich? Okay. It's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Give it it a shot. Yeah, yeah. It's
6: (laughs) My my question has we, we,
7: died. It, it's, it's a fried chicken sandwich, we do an awesome grilled cheese sandwich because we we'll always have, like I said, like thirty artisan cheeses around. Um, but give it a shot, please. If or you, just bug us enough if you keep coming in and be like, you know, I need some." Like I'm sure the chef will start like storing some like chicken livers for you.
6: Well, I, I feel sorry for those who haven't had <laughs> the chicken livers at right proper because they were legit. <laughs> it's a it's a simple dish. It's yeah. legit. It goes with a lot of your beers. Yeah and. It was great. So, guys, sucks for you. <laughs>
7: Contact time on the peaches. Um, yeah. Had- so, so you got to remember, this does not have peaches in it, right? So the peach character from this beer came from it, – I it got it from a, a mead maker who had done a peach mead in those barrels. I got those empty barrels, but there was still some of the um, that that peach mead that was soaked into the staves. Sort of, so the the wood is very porous, oak, and so it takes on those flavors. So there was no actual peach. Like I didn't add any peach to this beer. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: How did you get to your
5: house strain? What went into what went into your house strain? Figuring oh, yeah. out when it was your house strain when it captured what you were looking for.
7: Yeah, so we work with uh, BSI, um, Brewing Science Institute, which is a wonderful yeast lab um, in, uh, in Colorado, and they, um, they can source the, uh, like pretty much any kind of yeast you'd ever want. And so I work with them, and, and, and they have a catalog of different like Britannomyces strains and different Lactobacillus strains. Oh, yeah, so, so what, what's in our house care? Like, yeah, yeah, so, so our blend has got, um, it's got uh, yeast from DuPont, Thierry A, so those are the two SAC strains. Then the Brett strains or uh, Brett C, and then uh, Brett uh, Dry, which is a Brett B derivative. That is just super aromatic. So it's a really wonderful thing, and then it's got some Delbrucki in it. Um, but you got to think that that was the original pitch, and this beer has been that, that yeast has been repitched 50 times, 75 times. So it's mutated. So I don't, you don't you know. Like different things become different dominant at different times. So that's where the journey began with those five. Um, yeast components yeast and bacteria components
1: all right well thank you uh, thank you all Uh, there's about 25 more minutes to savor and lots of beer downstairs Uh, that was a great um, great session so please join me in thanking the guys
0: Thank you for listening to this recording from Saver 2015, brought to you by the Brewers Association and Craft Beer Radio. You can find the rest of the salons from Saver 2015, as well as all of the salons from previous years of Saver, at craftbeerradio.com slash saver, or on craftbeer.com. Craft Beer Radio is a weekly beer podcast that you can listen to on iTunes or from our website at craftbeerradio.com.